Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Renault Runway Event is now on at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Save thousands across the range for the new year. Great to be back in the hot seat on Late Lunch this afternoon. Big thank you to Ken Murray, who sat in last minute for me on Friday, and of course, Joan Larkin, who was with you yesterday. Now, let's get straight to business this Tuesday afternoon. My first guest today has been a regular contributor to Late Lunch over the years. Helena Tuberty is a leading fertility coach and therapist who has assisted many, many people over a 30-year career. We've spoken on many occasions across a range of topics, but there's one issue Helena hasn't spoken to me about that's until now and she's with me this afternoon Helena welcome back to the show thank you Jerry. nice to be here nice to have you with me I want to tell listeners yesterday as I sat at home you sent me a message and you were coming in actually to talk to me let's be honest here about the fertility forum that's happening this coming weekend right uh, but you sent me this message and I want to tell my listeners I was absolutely stuck to the seat because You've spoken. Is this the first time you've really gone full on public with the story of your daughter, Carla, who died by suicide? Well, I have spoken to the Women's Inspire Network. I did a talk there about, I think, two and a half, three years ago. Uh, But generally speaking, I suppose, you know, not wanting to be defined by her death and, you know, needing all of the time to do our grieving, our mourning, to come to terms and not wanting to, you know, people did want me to sort of take up cudgels and be part of, you know, sort of ambassadorial roles for suicide. I felt it was too close for me to do that. My work has primarily been with people who are trying to conceive and dealing with the sadness, the ongoing trauma and loss of fertility, miscarriage, stillbirth. So in that parallel, um, it is really only now that I have felt that it is the time to speak out in the sense of helping people to understand what helps, what doesn't help when people are going through traumas, how not to back off and bury your head in the sand, how to be useful. And I think we can do with a little bit of that. A lot of people um, find that obviously, you know, it's it's horrendous it's it's tragedy it's it's so unbearable it's a parent's worst nightmare so some people stick with you some people fall away some people you can be around some people you back away from yourself and i've actually had people physically back away from me reversing into doorways because 
you know, it is hard to cope with. I think everyone feels the sense of this is too awful and, you know, we don't want to make it worse. We don't know what to say. So I'd really like people to realise that we all need connection, support in whatever way can be so useful, so benevolent. I've had some marvellous, marvellous friends who have stuck with me, whether it's, you know, taking me grocery shopping when I really didn't know what I wanted, whether it was the odd lunch out, whether it's somebody at the end of a phone, whether it's somebody, you know, the 500, 5,000 lasagnas. I am now an absolute lasagna connoisseur and I thank everyone for everything. Actually, while we're here, Jerry, a very, very important announcement. I am still a receiver of what feels like stolen goods. I've got a white bowl that would be like a fruit bowl or a mixing bowl. And in it arrived the most beautiful scones, completely dressed with their jam and cream. And I've never been able to find in all these years to whom it belongs. And it's still there. So whoever it is, please, I was so grateful. They were delicious. These kindnesses meant so much to us. Isn't it amazing the way something like that sticks at you? And perhaps somebody listening today may have been the good person who sent you those 10 years ago. It's 10 years. We're back to 2009. Your beautiful daughter. I'm looking at a gorgeous picture of yourself, herself and our younger sister, Suzanne, here. She was the most beautiful young woman at 17. Can I take you back to that day? Well, we... It seemed like an ordinary day. The day before we'd actually gone shopping for swimsuits, we were planning our holiday to France, you know, the family holiday. And, you know, we were really gearing up for it. That day we went swimming in the afternoon. Carla and I were very, very close. uh, Most loving, amazing girl. And we had a sauna together. And we, you know, as I say, and Jen Hogan has done such a beautiful beautiful piece of writing. She's so sensitive and caring and thorough and accurate, which is really, really important. Um, You know, I was working in that evening and we had no inkling, although we do live, uh, we did live at that time um, in what is known as a cluster area. There were a lot of suicides. Uh, We had discussed it. We had thought we were you know, not likely candidates to experience this. Uh, Carla and I were involved in scouting, which was wonderful. She had a fantastic time with scouts and we thank them for their constancy in over the years as well. We've had some very sweet connections, people who have kept in touch. So, you know, it was a huge, huge shock, um, an absolute nightmare. But I did realise the sense of having looked after a couple of people who were also suicide bereaved mothers, I had an inkling. So I wasn't a stranger to it. And I'm a nurse by trade and a midwife. So life and death being close by, I've always had an extreme attitude of gratitude, which some find slightly irritating. I appreciate water coming out of a tap, for instance. So the sense that I had our gorgeous younger daughter, to whom Carla was really a proper second mother, um, I had her to mind, to bring up, to give a life. I did not want her growing up in a house with a beatified, departed one. I wanted her to have as normal an upbringing as possible. And it was so tough for her. And she is an amazing young lady, very, very mature. And she has been an extraordinary comfort and help over the years. And, uh, you know, as it says in the article there, recently we 
you know, it would have been Carla's 27th birthday. And it's like, what do you do? How do you remember or celebrate? And we went to Edinburgh and we went to see this wonderful comedy show. And uh, I'm saying it's, you know, a tad on the vulgar side. (laughs) And it was just, you know, something to do together to remember, to recognise. And I think really what I want to say here today is that, you know, we're afraid of death. People now talk about, you know, everybody's passed away. It's uh, euphemised a lot. And I think the reality that someone has died, they're no longer with you. You do not choose it. From the time someone is, you know, has a missed period and realises they're pregnant, that little person is with them as fiercely and belovedly as, you know, somebody of 87. That loss is huge, but often hidden in that area of pregnancy, pregnancy loss, stillbirth. And people are afraid to say to be with somebody. They feel they'll open some fathomless dam rather than saying, well, actually, that moment of connection, that moment of remembering. I rarely hear Carla's name mentioned by people. I love to hear it mentioned. And it's the feeling of the forgetting. Um, I think our language around death and loss needs to change. And the stigmatisation of suicide is really quite astonishing. There are hierarchies, I discover it, in, you know, children's deaths. There's car accidents. They are, you know, very, very sad losses. And every, you know, whether somebody has been knocked down, however somebody has died, there is a feeling of qualifying it. It is this type of death, not suicide. Suicide is lesser. So that stigma, you believe, still... Oh, hugely. ...sits there. You you say that, you know, what you did on the day, your sauna, you ate together, you went to work in the evening, you were doing your job. And within a short space of time, you were in Armageddon, Bedlam, really as such, in your life. Was there, were there indications that, that, that this could happen? Were you on Suicide Actually, Watch? No, not in the slightest. Um, Carla was uh, incredibly mature, highly intelligent, a high achiever. Um, she was, as I say, involved in scouting. She was very highly respected there. She had been on the medical team actually a year early. They'd been very good to her. So no. And I suppose the thing that we found was being plunged into this world, this strange world. Um, I mean, I was in the very surreal state of having the priest. Carla was Roman Catholic. She was was a good practising Catholic. She had been to confession the week before. Having the parish priest sobbing on my sofa because his dad had died. So I ended up counselling him. Um, you know, the sense of people's reactions and dealing with those was incredibly tough. And I suppose, you know, the feeling of how people helped, how they were part of it, the, you know, my neighbour offering to clean the house, somebody, let's walk the dog, all the food, the um, being taken out for a walk. You, you don't get fresh air and exercise when you're in that waiting for the funeral phase. Mm. Dealing with um, police uh, you know, the policewoman who's so terrified of a dead body that she recoiled when she saw my daughter. That was pretty horrific for me to see. Um, 
I think things are improving, and I'm delighted in that article that uh, Pieta House has stepped up its game and actually echoes all the points that I had wanted to get across yes, in that article. Yes. What to say, what to do. I mean, people still talk about committing suicide. That is not actually helpful. It's not a crime. It is something someone do, does. It is death by suicide. Mm. Um, you know, as we said just a little while ago, there is still the feeling that you must always qualify um, your child's death and make sure that people know it's by suicide that you fit into your box. Uh, very rarely will I hear her death. Somebody once said, you know, your bit of sadness and, you know, I would say the death of any child is a tragedy. Uh, you do not expect to mm. bury your own child. Com- coming back to that point, c- can you pinpoint why? Or do you, d- is there a reason? There was bullying. There was bullying. Um, it's endemic. I mean, Roger Sapolsky speaks. He's an anthropologist, uh, scientist, and he speaks very eloquently, having studied primates in Africa and human behaviour. Primates don't have to work too hard to get food. They work maybe four or five hours a day. That gives them another four, five, six hours a day in which to form their hierarchy, their bullying, their torturing of each other. Human beings are predisposed to bully each other. If you are different, uh, we moved to the area in, in 1990. We were, you know, there was a huge cultural divide. We were strangers in a strange place. We didn't particularly fit in. Uh, Carla was bullied in primary school. It was completely ignored. It, you know, all of these kind of things really did feed in. Um, another child who her suicide was far more public because it happened in her secondary school. It was the same pathway, you might say. So, And that's 10 years ago, pre-online bullying and social media bullying? Yes, indeed, indeed. So human beings will always find a way. It, it's, you know, it's part of our condition. So we mustn't condemn, but we must be aware. And I think sometimes I find it really difficult to be with, uh, you know, um, it was not long after Carla had died, maybe six, eight weeks or so. I remember somebody shaking a box in my face. We're collecting for suicide. And, you know, this business of doing all of that, it's it's very commendable. But common kindness, the actually, you know, being nice to the people around you, not knowing what they're going through or feeling, that's what's really important. So we can have these campaigns, we can have, you know, badges and stickers and we can feel really good. Look, I've contributed to this. I've climbed a mountain or whatever. And fine, you'll get a great personal sense of achievement out of it. But on the ground, I think it's really, really important the kindness, common kindness and courtesy. Mm. Isn't that interesting what you say there? Uh, you know, that you, you come across as somebody trying to help, but how, you know, you take it as somebody who's been through it. Helena Tuberty's with us on Late Lunch. She's talking to us about her daughter, Carla, and we'll be back after this short break. Helena, you mentioned the bullying aspect of this. How did you ever feel or do you feel today towards the people who are behind that? Well, I reckon that they're all kids And, you know, there is no um, malice aforethought. It is part of the human condition. I do think that uh, a greater kindness, a greater awareness of kindness, um, perhaps even, you know, we're very, very competitive. I mentioned in the article that I was very lucky to um, spend some time studying with Sarah Skullnaheran, a very quaint little outfit in Dublin, semi-charitable. 
And their whole ethos, the way you learn, the way you study is so non-competitive. It is about uh, fostering cooperation and care and sharing. And it really is lovely. And I think we're inclined now to be very competitive, to be best of the class, to, you know, bring home the trophy. And that, of course, is marvellous. It keeps kids busy. And I think we are we have forgotten kindness, compassion, caring and just being, you know, those really, really simple things that make a huge difference to somebody's day. I mean, I will always appreciate in the town I live in Athboy, uh, you know, going into a shop, the shopkeeper is always having a kind word. How's it going? What's the story? It might have been my only point of human contact going into the library, having a chat, that those interactions are really, really important. And we are losing those the milk of human kindness, the random acts, all of that pays in. And I think, you know, kids are just basically thoughtless. So I don't blame anybody. Um, It's often our reaction to things as well, our own resilience. And I do think for us, you know, there was an element of feeling like strangers. I mean, my elder daughter was bullied in her final year of secondary school, having been born and having grown up in the region. So, you know, it is, it's a natural mm. way for people to be. I wonder how they feel or people feel. You know, they are now 10 years on. Would you say it still registers with them? Or does I wouldn't say it registers in the slightest and I wouldn't expect it to. And I guess they have grown up and matured and I really wouldn't expect there to be any sort of long finger or shadow hanging over them. Kids are kids. So you're really saying to me that the lack of empathy, connectivity between people, kindness, care that is being fostered today is behind all of this. You don't necessarily point the blame, the finger of blame. No, I think it's kind of generalised. We're all busier. Uh, there is less connectivity, less dropping into people's houses. Everybody's on a treadmill. Everyone's really, really busy. I mean, I notice it with my clients. Isolation is, uh, you know, quite a strong thread for them. They're working very hard, working longer hours. They're trying to, you know, keep a social life going, trying to keep fit, trying to do all the right things. And infertility is an ongoing trauma of isolation as well. You know, you get the gender reveals, the baby announcements, pregnancy announcements. You're going to birthday parties. Your Christmas is coming up. You know, oh, so-and-so's pregnant now. So-and-so's had a baby in the last year. What about you? So I, I do spend a lot of time with my clients preparing them for these questions, how to navigate that minefield of feeling excluded or feeling like an outlier because we all crave connectivity. That is what calms us and really keeps us happy. You you said in this article, and it is a brilliant article by Jen Hogan uh, in The Times, that there is no recovery. It's, again, and I do parallel it with infertility and all kinds of loss. It's all about learning to live a new trajectory that you've not chosen. You can resist it, but it is the hand you're dealt. So it's learning to live with it. Uh, The loss is always a gaping wound and you really get on as best you can. And I think I have been so lucky that 
you know, I have such meaning in my life. My my work is so meaningful, so real. You know, I got the most beautiful, beautiful message from a client of mine who had discovered she had booked in with me to have birth preparation. And while she was waiting to come to me, she found her baby had died. So she came along anyway for birth preparation. And when she told me that she'd had a beautiful birth for this stillborn child and she'd got to take this child home and they had photographs. That to me is the sense of honouring that child, this family. So I am lucky that I have always been right there where a few will tread. I am not afraid to be there with somebody in whatever capacity I can be. You must feel sad at times, or are you over that? Does this come oh, still? You must of course. think, what, what could I have done? Could we have done anything differently? What uh, might have been? As I say, we catalogue every single moment, and that is part of the grieving process. And as I say there, I mean, we were issued the very first night. The doctor gave us sleeping tablets, and like idiots, we took them the first night because, you know, we were told to... And we woke up groggy, disorientated, and it was horrendous. So actually, I did hold on to them because we were just entering the recession. And I'm a thrifty soul. I think I had those for about four years, just just in case. You know, it's just like, well, I, I was given them. And I suppose the, you know, the sense of um, the strangeness of it all, the being absolutely knocked off your perch is so, so huge that... You have different expectations. Um, if you were to go down the rabbit hole of saying, well, that was my life and I deserved it, that would be very arrogant. Anything can change in a heartbeat. You do not know. We are lucky. I mean, I held on to something which somebody actually said recently, like you. So, well, I was in a house. I could grieve. I wasn't walking up from Syria. I wasn't over in Mosney. I could make a cup of tea if I wanted to. Um, things were tight. It was the recession. Um, you know, I I had that privacy. I had that luxury. So, you know, that we don't deserve stuff in life. We, I think there is a feeling of uh, preordination still going that because my life is good, it means I deserve it. I am somehow superior to others. And it's kind of like, it ain't necessarily so. And I suppose over my career, I've seen lives turned upside down by a road traffic accident. I've seen, you know, people's lives changed utterly by a stroke. You know, so many different, normal, hideous, awful, life-changing events. So that is why I'm here, Jerry, to open that up, that people can, I suppose, reduce their fear of being around someone who's suffered a setback, a difficulty, a tragedy. And that they are not going to feed it. I mean, sometimes people say, oh, I don't want to remind you. And it's like, well, your little five minutes, it's not going to, I haven't sort of, you know, filed it away. And it's like, oh, whoops, you know, um, I'm over it, beyond it or through it. No, I'm still learning to live with it. I think, you know, anyone who's lost somebody close, somebody precious, yeah, they're always learning to live with it. 
Before you go, I did say I would mention, thank you for joining me again today, the uh, Fertility Forum that's happening this weekend, and you are part of it. It's happening in Croke Park this Saturday, the 16th of November. And if people want to go along, what's the story? Um, Just going to the website... Um, And the website is thefertilityforum.ie Yes, Yes. it's a free event but it is ticketed. There is a lot of information to be had. It's really worth going along. Anybody who's thinking of starting a family, somebody who's been trying to conceive is unsure what to do, somebody who's been on the journey for a while. There are some very good speakers and the Endometriosis Society people will be there as well. So fresh, up-to-date information to help people who are ready to start a family. Thefertilityforum.ie and Helena Tuberty will be there on Saturday in Crow Park as well. Free event. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on Late Lunch this afternoon. I never expected we'd have this conversation, but I congratulate you on a most honest and the opening up of your heart and soul and life to so many people now. And I'm absolutely 100% sure that you will help more and more people as the days go on with what you've done. Thank you, Alina. Thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Jerry, what a wonderful lady. So brave, God bless her, says a late lunch listener this afternoon. Yes, Helena Tuberty there joining us top of the show. Another one saying, I don't think I've ever uh, heard a lady speaking in such terms uh, about uh, a loss of life in the circumstances. She's simply wonderful. I wish her well, says another listener there. And so on they go. Yes, Helena Tuberty, she is a fantastic lady. She really is. And when you listen to the way she has coped uh, with her daughter's loss and the outlook that she has on it, well, it's incredible, I have to say. And to sit here with her and listen to her speak in the fashion she has is remarkable. Late lunch, LMFM Radio this Tuesday afternoon. How would you like to go along to see Robert Mazel? Yes, he's in concert this Saturday in the Listunin Community Centre. And I have a pair of tickets. I know he has big uh, following, Robert, hasn't he, in the country music scene and on the scene here in the northeast. Would you like to go along? Simple question. What age is Robert Mazel? What age is he? 47, 48 or 49? Take your pick there. Which one do you think? Text or WhatsApp your answers now to 86 I'll tell you, I'm glad to be back in the hot seat, I said today. And thanks again to Ken and Joan for sitting in. I never got a dose like this in me life. Never. Honest to God. I was floored last Thursday evening. Missed me first ever day on late lunch. Sick last Friday. Would you believe it in the 11 plus years? Incredible. It takes a lot to keep me away from here, I can tell you. But this day, and I even missed my granddaughter Pippa's christening on Sunday. I was so under the weather with it. Worst flu I've ever, ever had in my life. And let me tell you, I got the flu jab a month ago. I got the jab a month ago and yet I was hit for six with this. Now look, I'm not saying don't get the jab. Do get the flu jab because it protects you against many strains of the flu. But I am a case in point that you can get a flu outside of the jab another strain that comes your way wouldn't wish it on me worst enemy to be honest with you but there you have it on the road to recovery and very grateful that I am I have to say Scotch Hall Shopping Centre Drogheda in association with ourselves in LMFM Radio and Reynolds Fiat are giving away listen to this a stunning Fiat 500 I love those cars it's worth 
€18,000. So every time you spend €50 Euro across Scotch Hall's 50 shops, you'll have the opportunity to enter the draw. Just pop your entry form into the draw drum located in Scotch Hall. Stay tuned here to us on LMFM and you may be one of the lucky finalists. Good luck to you with that one. Every week from now till Christmas, we'll announce a weekly winner. And this week's winner is Mary O'Brien from Deleakin County Mead. Well done, Mary. You've won a €100 Euro Scotch Hall gift card and you're in the grand finale card draw which takes place on Sunday, December 22nd. A new Fiat 500 for Christmas. Wouldn't you just love it? Get in that draw. Be in the final draw. And who knows? Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Still to come on the show today. I'm tunneled to table with Nikki Kyle. We're going to hear from the Meath Guard, the Youth Award shortly. But before all that, it's the wonderful, the beautiful Leslie Dowdle. And wonderful thing. It's a fantastic initiative and we've been involved here in LMFM Radio and on late launch with the Meath Gartha Youth Awards. The initial awards happened two years ago and they're biannual. So the second one, 2019. And again, the launch happened here on the show and nominations came in. I sat on the judging panel with a number of other uh, brilliant gentlemen as well to make the decision. It wasn't easy. There were hundreds of uh, nominees to go through. But anyway, we came to a decision on the winners. The big night was recently held at the Headford Arms in Kells and I went along. And I met some of the winners and I began by talking to Kate Mulhern, who was the overall individual award winner. And Kate started by telling me why she was nominated. I was nominated for this award because back in April I was in an attempted reduction and I saved my life by using my sport which is karate and I'm on the national karate team so I used that to defend myself and to get myself out of the situation so that's why I was nominated for this award. What does it mean to you to be here tonight? Um, it's such a big thing for me that it's such a big achievement especially because our sport isn't very much recognised so it's such a big deal for us and my club and my coaches for me to be here tonight as well. Yeah, even just to be nominated, it was such a big deal. Like, I couldn't thank my school enough for nominating me for this award. That it's just, I'm so grateful for it. How has it been since the news broke and this story? It made local national headlines. It made headlines all over the country. Yeah, it was really big that I got to do such great things that it was a really good experience to have as well. And it made me more confident as well to do different things, even just because of that, that I got to go into school and talk and speak about it. So it was really good. So, yeah. What about the karate? How's that going? Yeah, it's really good. I'm still training and um, hopefully I'm going to be competing in Denmark in February again. So uh, just preparing for that now. So. It's a real lesson for young people and everybody in your 
your story in that look at the way karate came to your aid on a very very dangerous time in your life yeah it is it's so it's so important especially for young people because that you're able to defend themselves doesn't matter what situation you're in just that you're able to defend yourself and look after yourself and feel confident doing it is the main thing congratulations to you Kate Mulheron and enjoy the night thank you Next up in Kells this evening is Josh Fitzsimons and he's the winner of the Safety Award, Mead Garda Youth Awards 2019. Josh, congratulations to you. Will you tell us why you were nominated? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I was nominated because of all the work I do in the community. I'm a part of a local community force responder group. So what we do is we go out and assist the National Ambulance Service. We're voluntary and we go out and help people when they call for an ambulance really. As well, I do lots of work with the Order Malta and Drada, and that's really why I was nominated um, for all the hard work I've done. What brought you to this type of work and, and giving of your time voluntarily? I've always kind of had the passion to uh, help people that are in need, and I enjoy doing it as well because it kind of gives me satisfaction that I'm going to help somebody that's really the main reason why I do it and I don't mind that I don't get paid because I'm contributing back to the community as well so that's really it like you know I'd encourage everybody to go out and do uh, a CPR course in their local community go onto the internet on Google and just type it in and you'll find courses it's, it's brilliant you know being there to hopefully save someone's life is, is great like you know um, you can't get much better than that, I suppose, you know. <laughs> You're a young man. Do you see a career in this for yourself? Yeah. In the next couple of years, I'm hoping to hopefully move on to, to be a paramedic. That would be the plan, you know. But yeah, it's all coming together slow steps at a time, you know. Who nominated you? I got nominated by Kieran. He's basically works with Ferrogra. So they have a, a youth programme in the Town area. And basically he nominated me because of all the work I've done with himself and he thought I was a good candidate for it and here I am, I've won it so, <laughs> you know Did that come as a big surprise when you got the call? Yeah, what more surprising was when the police showed up at the door <laughs> with, with the uh, invite, you know so uh, at least I wasn't in trouble for anything which was the main thing, you know You thought it was something else? <laughs> yeah, well look, <laughs> we'll talk about that another time, you know <laughs> Oh good man Josh, listen it's a, a fantastic uh, achievement to be nominated but to win overall is extra special and congratulations to you again in winning the Safety Award this year. Thanks very much. Aoife Hughes is the Special Achievement Award winner this evening and she's with me and looking a million dollars. Congratulations. Thank you. Tell us about you and your story and why you're here tonight. Um, I'm here tonight. Um, I was recently diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma five months ago. I was diagnosed because they thought it was a sports injury but I kind of knew that it wasn't right so we went and then they said that I was diagnosed with youngster coma and I went through a lot of treatment and chemotherapy for it and yeah and here you are this evening what, just that story about it being a sports injury tell us exactly what happened um, so I was like I was played for Mead for a county and uh, my hip just swelled up out of nowhere and like I didn't get an injury or anything so I was just kind of like weary about it like I didn't know what was going on so we went to doctors and they said oh I'd be fine it's like a sports injury but then they realised that it's not and then it was uh, actually a tumour in my hip so then yeah we were diagnosed So how are you today? Where do you stand with the treatment and dealing with this? Oh um, I've just finished my last round of treatment today before surgery so which is good and you've surgery ahead of you? Yeah, I've got surgery in the next couple of weeks. I'm flying to Birmingham to get it done. 
and then as soon as I come back they're going to be doubling chemo and then I should be all cleared after that Wow what a story just like that as simple as that is sports still on your mind at the moment even though you're going through this I go to like all my sister's games and everything like and soon as I'm better I'm hoping to get back into sports what wonderful spirit and fortitude and bravery and everything are shown I'm humbled to be here in your presence this evening no doubt your award is wholly deserved and I'm sure you're very grateful to those who nominated yeah, you. Yeah, of course. Like, I'm so grateful for everyone who even took part in Aoife's Army and all. I want to say thank you to them because they like done a whole like um, fundraiser for us and everything and support and love from all my friends and family was really great as well. You're a great young woman, I have to say, and again, congratulations to you. Aoife Hughes, Special Achievement Award winner at Mead. Youth Garda Awards 2019 in Kells. Thank you. Thank you. And good luck to you over the coming weeks and months. Thank you. Eureka Secondary School in Kells, winners of the Group Award at the Mead Garda Youth Awards 2019. And we're going to have a chat with them now. Stephen McKee is here, teacher in the school. Congratulations to you. Oh, thanks very much, Jerry. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great night, it's a great award to win. It's great recognition of the work of the students. Um, the project thoroughly enjoyed it and it really is down to the work of the students and the senior citizens that we worked with throughout the programme so it's, it's, a, it's great to be here uh, Can I tell you it's one of my great memories of late lunch in the last 12 months this story That's right yeah and Michael that's right yeah in the studio yeah it was, it, was, it was very enjoyable and you know it was stories like that that kind of kept us going and it was great to, to, to it was enjoyable for the students and for me as well as their teacher as it was for the senior citizens so we're, we're delighted to win this award today We have a couple of the girls here with us representing I am Jess Kennedy Nora Barry Jess first off for you remind listeners on late lunch today what this project was about and why you were nominated this project was about connecting generations and just kind of identifying the problem of loneliness around nowadays and just helping out our local community and to combat this problem Nora your young ladies starting out in life and you meet people of an age who've lived their lives and have a lot of experience what did you get from this from your perspective uh, well like our main goal was to just reach out to them and make friends so obviously we learned about their lives and what life is like obviously for them at our age and we got a lot of information about the town we live in from years and years ago and it was very enjoyable for them to tell us all about it and it was enjoyable for us to hear about it too so and we heard from Michael when he was on the show yeah. with us how much they got from you yeah uh, he was one of uh, the big characters that we got to know over the course of the project and uh, we really enjoyed getting to know him. He's a lovely man. <laughs> what does it mean to the group in Eureka School to win this award? This is a, a, an amazing opportunity for us. I mean, we didn't really see it as a project. We just saw it as connecting with people and to get rewarded for that, we never expected this to happen. So it's just amazing for us, really. Stephen? Proud teacher, proud school. I know your principal is here tonight, but uh, it's a great feather in the cap for Eureka. Ah, it is, it is. And I suppose the main thing is to, that we, we keep in mind the issue itself, which is loneliness and social isolation. And one thing we realised during the project was how prevalent a problem it is. Um, we're going to continue with the project this year. We've been up to YSI, the Elevate programme. We're part of that programme this year. So we're going to kickstart the programme again this year. Um, and I, 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 we're very proud, as you've said. It's very proud. It's a great achievement, for, for, the, for particularly for the girls here uh, this evening. And uh, as I said, it's great for the school as well. 
congratulations to everybody in Eureka School. Enjoy your night and enjoy when you're stepping up to accept that award. Well done to all of you. Thanks very much, Jerry. Carla Kyo, Special Achievement Award winner in Kells this evening with a big smile on her face. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Tell me a little bit about you and why you've been nominated and why you've actually won this award. Well, I got I was got sick when I was nine years old. I got diagnosed with a brain tumour. I had brain surgery and I came back. So um, a month later, I started picking up swimming. And now I coach the local Gaelic club and I play Gaelic. And I'm involved in Froga Youth Club as well. You know when you're ill as a young person, what do you recall of that time? The main thing I recall is my parents being upset. And it's the aunties and uncles. Because... I was so young, I didn't really understand what was happening and it was all kind of going over me. I just knew I was sick, but it's when you see doctors call out your parents, you know there's something serious. So I guess my main thing I remember was my parents being upset and how I felt like I let them down because I didn't understand properly what was going on. Yeah. But within yourself, you know, we're all individuals, we all have our families that we love and they love us as well. But in your own mind, what were you thinking? How did you cope? I thought it was all going to be fine, you know. I didn't understand how serious it was, so I just kind of thought it was into hospital and back out then in a few days. So I thought everything was fine. I thought, there's nothing serious wrong. I was just in for a few days, I'll be back out again. That's all I thought it was, to be honest. Yeah. You were always positive? Yeah, yeah. And reassured by the care you were getting and the treatment? Yeah, like, every day my nurses were there, my mum, you know, slept on my bed every night, and she always reassured me, everything's fine, it's all going to be okay... It's, not, it's okay, like everything's going to be fine, we'll go back home soon. So I never had any doubt in my mind that anything was actually going to happen. And when you were going through treatment and care, was it tough? It was tough, yeah, you know, being away from my sisters and all. Sometimes a bit annoying, but you get to see how much you really miss them, how much family, like how big family is, how important it is. So I guess you miss them a lot, and that's the hardest part was for me, for being away from my sisters. So I was diagnosed when I was nine years old, but they left my brain tumour in, so I still have it to this day. Um, I had surgery then again in 2017, because I got sick again, but I've come back over that as well. So, so far I've been four years clear of my last surgery, yeah. And you feel great? I do feel great. And you yeah. look amazing. Oh, thank you very much. And you've grasped life with both hands, obviously, since. Yeah, I have, yeah, definitely. Because it makes you appreciate how much health is and all, and how you should brace everything in life. Tonight at this special awards ceremony, how are you feeling? Oh, I felt like I've done my parents proud, you know, because I felt like I've made everyone happy. Yeah. Isn't that amazing that you say that again? But you know what? They're just happy for you. You know that, Carla? Yeah, I do. Yeah, they always tell me that. And you're a real deserving award winner, I have to say, tonight. You're such an example to young people and to all of us as well. Well done to you. Congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks. You wouldn't know who you'd meet at an award ceremony in Kells, but he's a winner all the way tonight. Shay Cashley picks up the Adult Mentor Award at the Mead Gather Youth Awards. Nice to be mentioned in the same voice as youth, Shay. Well, I'm regressing in age, I think, now, Jerry. And uh, some people did say that I thought this was a youth awards. But sure, look, at, I'll take anything we get. Isn't that it? You're delighted. Absolutely uh, thrilled. Can't believe I was nominated for this. And I suppose it's for my team that work on the Able Fest and for all the people who work with me on the inclusive filmmaking we're making around the county. So I'm just absolutely chuffed. 
you've given this a lot of time, a huge commitment. This area I'm working in now has happened because we had a son with Down syndrome and uh, it's opened up a different platform for me and I'm just enjoying it and I can see that we're making a difference out there and if we can make a difference, that's what we're going to do. And I don't have to tell you that the youth of Ireland are tremendous. Sometimes they get bad press, but they're wonderful people and there's a bright future for this country. But you know something? We need people like you to show them the way. Thanks a million, Jerry. And actually, the Involve group are up for an award tonight and I have been working with that group and they're absolutely inspiring young people. And I'd like to thank the Gardaí and Centra for putting this initiative together because it shows people for the good they do and it makes people see people because we're all people and if we can help other people sure that's what it's all about final word from Kels tonight goes to Shay Cashley you're a giant of a man congratulations delighted for you again and keep up the great work thanks very much sir Thank you. The Mead Youth Garda Awards 2019 concluding at the lovely Headford Arms in Kells. What a lovely night it was uh, recently. And congratulations again to everybody who picked up awards and to everyone who was nominated because uh, you're all doing a wonderful, wonderful job. Keep it up. And the awards, of course, back in two years' time. Late lunch, LMFM radio from Kells. I'm moving station in the next while. Yes, next up on the show, I'm heading to the Knoll and I'm going to meet our Queen of Green. Yes, she's the guru of organic gardening. It's time for November's Tunnel to Table next. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Renault Runway event is now on at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Call in to see how affordable a new car is in the new year. Tunnel to table, it's early November. We're a little out of kilter, but there is a reason why we are. But I just had to come to the Knoll. It's like a magnet. Nikki, Kyle, great to see you again. <laughs> Hello, Jerry. Good to see you. Getting a bit chilly out, isn't it? <laughs> it is, and the light is just starting to fade. But yeah. that's the seasons, and that's the way it goes yeah, in absolutely. the garden. But let me compliment you. Despite all that's happened to you this oh. year and the setbacks you've had, look at this place. It's just a hive of wonderful food. What's happening on the benches here? Oh, well, there's lots happening. I mean, a lot of it's a hell of a mess. But frankly, food comes before tidiness in my book, whether it's in the tunnel or in the house, but especially in the tunnel. Because if I don't grow the food, you know, there's no point having an incredibly tidy tunnel or greenhouse if you've got nothing in it. Absolutely. And of course, you're uh, contributing even greater to the environment with what you have here. You always told us that the insects, the birds, everything. Yeah, absolutely. And loads of flowers, actually, even in the winter, because, Joe, through the winter, a lot of non-hibernating bees come out. Now, honeybees, I believe, don't hibernate. I learned the other day. Uh, But there are some bumblebees that don't hibernate either. The queens come out and they're looking for food. If they can't find food, they get weak and they die. So I grow loads of food in here for them. Uh, And actually, there was one in here today just buzzing around you know collecting nectar or pollen or whatever always single flowers cheers me up as well you know i've always said you're the queen bee anyway <laughs> look at this for a productive bench here oh well there's lots of seedlings still to be planted because because i started i mean i lost half my gardening there yeah this year as you know not starting until sort of really the end of june uh, i had sown a few things in in sort of late may and early june so i've got lots of stuff still to plant and a bit of an overlap with the summer crops there's the, the february orchid which is sort of uh, a ricophragma which is weird uh, a chinese leaf um, there's red Chinese cabbage, there's pink Chinese celery, um, there's spinach, 
herbs over there, some broccoli waiting to be planted out. Uh, on this side I've got ruby chard seedlings, more different kale seedlings, more celery plants, which I can't give away. Do you want some? But <laughs> I grew far too many and they did terribly well. <laughs> um, lots of uh, some other ornamental um, edible kales here, some garlic coming on. Oh, look at the potatoes. I had a dig around in mine this morning. They're lovely. Well, they're small, but yeah. they're, they're new potatoes for Christmas. Um, you know, they're not very big, but they got blight a bit early because I, I wasn't terribly well after the tomato festival because I really pushed myself uh, and overdid things a bit. So I wasn't looking after things quite as well as I could have done. Well, you know, here we are in November and people think that gardeners go asleep and the world stops. Not a bit of it. It's all on the benches here ready Look to move this, on. Jerry. Wait till you see this. I have a real surprise for you. Look. Oh, my. Oh, my folks. We're going to get a picture of this before I leave. The most beautiful cob of sweet corn you've ever seen. And you have quite a number of yeah. plants along the uh, the central bed here, all with cobs ready. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, I, I sowed it terribly late. And, do you know, over, over the years, I've had various accidents and, and um, illnesses and things that have happened to me. Um, and I've often found out more from my accidents and mistakes and by chancing my arm and doing things. Um, you know, the, I mean, look at that. I would never have thought of growing, you know, I'd have sweet corn now oh and it was delicious i had oh, a cob the other night <laughs> i can just see it there the milkiness the creaminess of yeah. it the sweetness it's all there and all the butter it was swimming in butter. oh too. you have to have that <laughs> natural butter don't you with it tell me what else is here in this oh, bed gosh we've got um well there's a few purple carrots left in the middle there's the pink chinese cabbage scarlet which we're um eating later on uh there's spinach beet that's on this side there's the um perennial kale over there the Glyn Castle kale uh, and actually Johnstown Garden Centre will have a few plants of that next year which I'm propagating um, so it, and it's really wonderful it's wonderful for the hens um, it's wonderful for us you, you know and it lasts for years the plants last for about five years they just get bigger and bigger you have to sort of cut them back a bit because in here they go nuts um, but but they're wonderful it's so useful because when everything else is looking miserable and you haven't got anything it's still there and it's still going um, and I just see the the grapes have been harvested. Most of them, yes. I couldn't reach those ones because uh, uh, I a bit of a left um, arm problem at the moment as well, a bit of arthritis in the arm. So I couldn't reach up and pick those those last few. Um, but most of them have been harvested and, and all dehydrated. And they're sultanas now. They're uh, in the freezer. I've got lots of... Um, Oh, bits and pieces here. More spinach beet. I was digging potatoes, actually. I forgot to show you. I must show you these here. Oh, my word. Fabulous. Look yeah. at the size of those potatoes yeah, that you've just lifted from the bed yeah, there. Yeah, what absolutely. variety is that? That's Red Emily. You know, it's oh, pink beautiful. all the way through. It's mm. a lovely one. There's a lovely waxy sort of salad potato. So I'm going to save those for Christmas, too. So I've got some more in here as well. Terrific. And, you know, will you leave that ground lie now, uh, Fallow, or what will you do? Are you going to move some of the stuff from the bench in there? This this is going to be salads this year. And look, I've still got one of the Atina courgette at the top. I was just going to say, look, (laughs) and the beautiful yellow courgettes on it. one. I mean, it's like sunshine, isn't it? Mm. Just one plant at the top there. I did have the whole bed full of the plants, um, but I just left that one because it was still producing a few. And that part of the tunnel is a little bit warmer. So I I always have them in November. So I just left it to, to keep going. I don't believe my eyes. I'm moving forward here. Are they? They are. There's tomatoes still on plants here. <laughs> That's ridiculous, isn't it? Well, they went in so late and normally I would have cleared them by now because they do get a bit diseased and the tomatoes don't taste quite as good. But I, they were all so late this year because I planted them so late that I'm just delighted to have anything. 
What have you there in varieties? Uh, well, that long one there is a variety called Cassidy's Folly. I don't know who Cassidy was or what his folly was, her folly was. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's, it's a great salad tomato. It dehydrates nicely too. It's a, sort of a long paste, what they call a paste tomato, a mm. long plum tomato with stripes. And it's rather fun. And um, you have the dark ones here, the purple. Yeah. Dark Galaxy. Um, it's hanging on there. I'm absolutely amazed. It's not going to ripen, but mm. I might make some green tomato chutney or purple tomato chutney. And up at the top? <laughs> well, the, oh, that one uh, on the left at the top is... Um, I do see Rosada there in the middle, but up at the top. Is that a different one? Is that blush? I was just trying to think. I'm Jane. learning from you all I these know, years. I do so. pay attention. <laughs> yeah, I had a bit of a bad night last yeah. night. So I'm, like, I'm like a zombie at this stage. But no, it, it is. It's a lovely tomato. Mm. Actually, that dehydrates well. But it's not as disease resistant as, as Rosada. Uh, yeah. But it is a very good tomato. What else here oh, then? And this is a very lively looking bed yeah. here. Lots of red, um, red leaf lettuce, which are very good for you. Lots of good phytochemicals in those. Uh, and I've got pink Chinese celery. I've got chicory, sugarloaf chicory, which will be feeding the hens and us later on because I grow greens in here for the hens too. It's very important to keep the eggs lovely and orange all winter. Mm. Lots of seedlings over there, which will be going into that first bed on the left as we came in. Um, just l- lots more to plant, really. Lots more work to do. Well, well, well. And finally, before we finish in the tunnel and head for the table look at your squashes and pumpkins (laughs) well yes not many but uh, I grew them between the tomatoes here in the middle of the bed I knew they were going to be very late and it was going to be too late to put them outside Uh, I've done nothing outside in the garden this year everything's been happening in here which is great because everything grows much faster in the tunnel so you know you know you're going to get something whereas outside if you get a nasty frost in September you've had it basically and I got all of these and I'm absolutely thrilled with them that that is the biggest blue hubbard the one in the middle there that i've ever grown i'm it's just fabulous. looking at it it's ginormous it's huge i could barely lift it well pictures to follow online i promise you okay we're done in the tunnel we're heading for the table what are you rustling up for us give them a little teaser before we head to the break right today um we are having roast red onion red pepper and sweet potato soup and a warm autumn salad of polytunnel leaves Bacon lardons, apple wedges, toasted hazelnuts tossed in a dressing of hazelnut oil, high bank apple syrup and apple cider vinegar. I can tell you already, the images I'm looking at here, the aromas, it's just sensational. Let's begin, Nikki, with your first uh, dish today. And it's roast red onion, red pepper and sweet potato soup. So maybe you talk us through the ingredients. I've mentioned them all nearly myself there, but I'll I'll hand over to you. Basically, it's, it's very simple. It's just two large red, uh, medium or large red onions, two red peppers, two to three, about sort of 500 or so gram of sweet potatoes um, and, and chopped and four or five cloves of garlic. And really, that's about it. And, and a litre of um, chicken stock. But the, the big ingredient that I love is the smoked, sweet smoked paprika which I get from Steenberg's in the UK. I buy it online and it's just amazing. It has this wonderful smoky, sweet flavour. You know, it's full of really good nutrients. Uh, And have I said a litre of chicken stock? Uh, And basically, you know, you can... I throw stuff, if I've got time, I throw it all in the oven, all the veg, chop it up, um, and, and to get the edges a little bit charred, just a little bit um, browned. But if you haven't got time, you know, you can just chuck all this in a saucepan if you're in a hurry. And actually, it tastes nearly as good. But, you know, I'm a perfectionist. I just like that extra little bit of smokiness you get from roasting the stuff. So when you take it from the oven, all the stuff, you combine that with the stock? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, what I do is, um, you know, instead of trying to liquidize the whole thing, what I do is I blitz all the veg in the, the um, Magimix or the food processor first and then put it into the stock, which is an awful lot easier than doing it the other way around and ladling it all into the food processor. Um, and that way it's pretty smooth. All it needs, actually put it into the chicken stock, just boil it up, put the garlic in, um, you know, simmer it for about 10 minutes uh, and then um, blitz it with one of these immersion blenders, which you can put straight into the saucepan. If you don't have one of those, you will have to ladle it all back out into the food process, which is a real pain. And these immersion blenders are great. So it's a two blitz step. Yeah. First of all, when you roast the vegetables in yeah. the oven, take them out, blitz them yeah. in the machine first. Yeah. You have that done then. Combine with the stock, add your garlic in at that stage, bring to the boil, simmer for 20 minutes and a second blitzing with the hand blitzer then. Yeah, that's it. And, and I forgot to say, add the um, smoked sweet paprika and that gives it a wonderful flavour. Now, if you want more of that, you can put in more, but just try a teaspoon at first, a level teaspoon, which is just delicious. And of course, it's served up in a beautiful bowl in front of me here and you have just artistic skills oozing out of you tell them how you've decorated it well i am an artist jerry i love things to look pretty i think food should look as good as it tastes uh, i just put a little swirl of cream on top i sort of dragged it out to the sides i put a very small pinch of the the paprika on top and a little bit of parsley and it just makes all the difference it's like a starfish on top of the soup, if I can describe it. Pictures online, you can watch those. May I have a little taste? Yeah, Is that okay? And I'll just combine all the ingredients here and have a go. Here we go. You may laugh, but I am speechless. I am speechless. It is packed with the most beautiful flavours. And you're dead right about that paprika. Yeah, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? Um, I mean, I, I really would advise anyone, if they want to buy herbs or spices, to go to Steenberg's. You know, I'll, I'll put the link on my page when I put the recipe on. Um, because it's very, very hard to get really fresh herbs and spices. And they get them in all the time from all over the world. And they're organic, which means already that they're better because that all the ingredients in them are actually much more active and much more, you know, aromatic. And they're so fresh. They're fantastic and we have to say everything in this soup including the chicken stock yeah. organic absolutely everything absolutely yeah and it's my own homemade chicken stock with the addition of a, of a sort of half a chicken stock cube basically um but i whenever i have a chicken i never ever throw the bones out or a turkey uh, what i do is i roast them first generally which makes them brown and much tastier and, and then i boil them for, for ages we had very funny years ago i used to give out to the kids for sucking their bones i said that's got to go in the stock he said you know, my son said, Mum, for God's sake, you boil the hell out of it for 12 hours. Why are you telling us not to suck the bones? <laughs> it's very funny. I didn't saw the funny side of it then. I thought, well, OK, suck the bones. May I have one more spoon here? Yeah, Just I have to do this before we move on. Oh, my word. Best tasting, the most wholesome. So good for your soup. This is the one to do. Roast red onion, red pepper and sweet potato soup. And the recipes, you will be yeah, posting the, the, them. The recipe will be on, on, uh, online. And also, the great thing this time of year, that is full of antioxidants, it's full of garlic, and it's also, because it's made from um, the, the chicken carcass, it's full of antiviral compounds. So it's actually very good for colds. I mean, you've heard of Jewish chicken soup, haven't you? That's it, basically. Mm. It's, it's chicken soup. 
Yeah, and it is there, all the goodness of it in the cold and flu season. A good one to make and take. So we move on at the table in the Nall and the second dish. Nicky always prepares two for us every time we're here. It's warm autumn salad of polytunnel leaves, bacon-wrapped apple wedges, toasted hazelnuts, tossed in a dressing of hazelnut oil, high bank Orchards, apple syrup, honey and cider vinegar. What a title. Again, it's autumn colours, autumn flavours, you know, and salad can be pretty boring. I try to eat a salad every day. So there's got to be lots of variation. You know, got lots of different colours, different textures, different flavours. That's the important thing to keep you interested in salads and different toppings. Now, the genesis of this dish happened far away from here in the south of the country in beautiful Dingle. It did, actually, because there's a lovely restaurant there called the Chart House. Um, and I happened to be down there for, for an event. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I used to go, I always go there if I ever go to Dingle. I haven't been to Dingle for years, but they are wonderful. And they, I had this salad as a starter. It wasn't this particular one, but it was the, the combination of the apple and the bacon and the hazelnuts and their dressing. And they wouldn't give me the recipe. So, <laughs> so I tried for years and I kind of I think I pretty much got it right but really it's just a good mix and I mean any salad you could use pear you could use any nut it's it's having the different the fruitiness and the nuts you know nuts are terribly good for you very good for your heart um and, and wonderful crunchy texture in this with the autumn leaves now the leaves let's start at the base of this the leaves oh. are what oh gosh <laughs> there's dozens in here. Um, there's tiny baby ragged jack kale leaves. There's little gem leaves. There's endive. Um, there's two or three different kinds of red lettuce. There's scarlet Chinese cabbage. Uh, what else? Gosh, um, nasturtium. So the leaves go in in the base yeah. first. What do you do with the apple? Um, well, what I do is I fry the bacon lardons until they're crisp and brown first. Um, and actually, I, f- I find it's easier to, to cut them up after I've fried them. Right, because if you cut them up first, they get scrunch up and get very small and they're not as nice. Then they're much sort of meatier like this. And then I drain them, um, take them out, uh, and um, then put the apple wedges into the fat that they cooked in. So they pick up the flavour of the bacon off the pan as well. And just a little bit. And you want a fairly firm apple, not a, an apple that goes too soft. These have been sitting around keeping warm, but normally it would be really nice to have on those little griddle pans so you could just char them and put them straight on the salad these may be a bit soggy now because they've been sitting around for an hour um but just a little bit of color on them and you want the sweetness these are actually blenheim orange uh, which is a wonderful apple i mean it's hard to find a small blenheim orange um it has a lovely sweet sharp flavor it cooks very well as well as being a really good eating apple and when i was small i remember on bonfire night november the 5th that apple tree was, you know, we had our bonfire always quite near to that apple tree. And I used to pick them up off the ground and they were so big, I had to hold them with two hands and I couldn't bite into them. They were enormous, but it's a wonderful apple. and It takes me straight back. And, you know, the, the wonderful thing about growing apples and things like that is they are just a, a link with history they're going back you know it's like shaking hands with history mm. it's it's touching the same tree that my father touched mm. you know and, and pruned and, and and that's the wonderful thing about growing all these historic old varieties you know i'm nuts about apple varieties and finally for the nuts do you just toast those is that yeah, it toast, basically just toast the hazelnuts uh, and it's a wonderful thing actually to have a load of toasted nuts in the fridge to dig it it's much better than eating sweets and stuff you know if you feel like a little bit of a nibble and what i do with these is i toast them in an all 
almost dry pan, whatever nut I'm doing, sometimes put a little bit of either hazelnut in this case or olive oil in the pan, tiny bit, about a teaspoon, and then roll the nuts around, keep them moving, don't let them get too brown. And what's very nice to do at the end then um, is actually you can get this smoked sea salt from Maldens. Um, and when, when they're finished, take them off and tip them out straight away because the pan will still be hot and they'll go on doing too much. <coughs> Sorry. Um, and then sprinkle some smoked sea salt over them. And they're delicious. And finally, the dressing, the combinations in the dressing. Well, it's basically a, a classic, classic sort of French dressing. But in this case, you know, it's sort of um, three of oil and one of um, cider vinegar or, or vinegar and one of uh, a, a sweetener like honey or whatever. Just taking my time to absorb the apple, the hazelnuts, the green salad, the dressing, the bacon. It's a classic combination. Mm. It is, isn't it? And I'm talking with my mouth full now. You're all right, you're excused. You can't see me, so it's all right. <laughs> it is, but it's the textures. Mm. It's the contrasts. You know, you're not going to sit down to a boring old salad of green knees every day with a bit of dressing on. This gives you the contrast, and every bite, every mouthful is different. The recipes, both available where? On nickykylegardening.com. Um, and I hope you enjoy them. And it, is, it, it sounds a bit fiddly, this, but it's really well worth doing. day on radio in our newspapers on television the message is coming across loud and clear that we all have to play our part in saving this planet from destruction and if we don't well you only have to look at the wet weather in these parts the fires that are raging in australia despite what mr trump says the evidence is really undeniable at this stage there's a, a beautiful place in Trim and it's called Trim and Healthy and uh, they've been doing their bit for years but they've cranked it up even more at this stage. I'm delighted to tell you I'm joined on the line by Charlotte Pye. Good afternoon, Charlotte. Good afternoon. Thank you for taking our call. Before I begin talking about this, you, you're 20 years there, are you at this stage? Um, the health shop has been here over 23 years. Right, yeah. and, and Bernie set that up, was it? it uh, she did indeed, yeah. And uh, you were part and parcel now of an expanded offering. It was a health shop. Now you have your cafe and... We have the vegetarian cafe attached as well. Um, so, yes, we're expanding um, a little bit, bit by bit. And, and ve- vegetarian, vegan options, very popular, becoming more popular every day. How do you re- look at it? So they're becoming more popular. Um, there's a lot of research as well, not just for your diet and your health, but there's a lot of research... Um, that goes that most of us would have to turn flexitarian for the environment um, to reduce the you know the environmental impact of um, the food and the deforestation for animals and um, consumption. So a lot more people are 
maybe becoming flexitarian um, and having a few days where they are vegetarian um, just to do their little bit towards, as I said, helping the environment too. Oh God, I'd like to think that I've been a flexitarian all my life and I've never realised what I've been. A lot of people are. A lot of people are. They just don't realise it because it was never given a term before now. I like it. It, it. it really is. And it's a nice one to incorporate into into our lives. But certainly the awareness, isn't it, Charlotte, is our people are, are thinking about this more. You see it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are coming into the health shop um, and the cafe and they're, they're wanting to know maybe they've just turned flexitarian and they want some recipes and we'll help them out with recipes or easy swaps that they can do in their diet. Um, and then in the health shop, we're helping people. It's just, I think it's a transition as well. So there will be, there is a lot of our products in the health shop um, would be reusable plastics um, from manufacturers. And that may be one step where they first start using eco-friendly um, laundry liquids and cleaning products that are 97% biodegradable so they're not harmful to the environment and then they might think oh well, I can refill that bottle so instead of throwing that bottle away then they start to come for the refills um, so they're reusing that bottle themselves so I think it's a stage I think that we, none of us change overnight um, and if it's something that you want to stick to it's a progression and that's what really I wanted to talk to you about today, this whole area of single-use plastic, the wrapping, the incessant use of containers to hold everything. You are really doing your best to move away from this. We are. We've, we introduced, um, I suppose, refills for the laundry, the washing liquid, the toilet cleaner, things like that, um, over two and a half years ago now. And that was a bit slow to start off with, but then we saw that started to get momentum. So then we introduced the shampoos, the conditioners, the body washes and hand soaps. And then we have, um, you know, uh, normal soaps as well that are not in any packaging or anything like that. And that has really taken off and a lot more people are doing it now. Um, and a lot, you know, um, are becoming more conscious of it and want that. Um, and then so... Th- Coming up in the next week or two, we're actually going for zero waste for our dry goods as well um, so that they can be dispensed and they can bring your own jars or you could you could have some little reusable sacks that you can put the dry goods in and take home with you. And when you talk about dry goods, for example, what are you talking about? We're talking about the stuff like um, porridge oats, rice, um, nuts, um your dry beans, your lentils, your soup mixes, um, all the dry goods that you would, I suppose the common ones for most people's cupboards, I suppose, would be the likes of the breakfast cereals and the rices Mm. um, and your nuts. And then you've got your linseeds and your chia seeds and your poppy seeds and things like that. And sugars as well and flours. So you're conscious of reusing recycling filling up containers you mentioned the washing up liquid and those type of things as well then those dry goods it's benefiting of course the planet long term what about my pocket money wise am i saving yes if you are actually doing the refills it's not actually that much um, more expensive um to get the refills um of them i mean the washing um I think on average you're saving about one euro to two euros per refill on some of the products, especially the shampoos and the conditioners. Okay. Um, and I, I think the 
for 200 ml of the washing up liquid, it's um, only one euro twenty, I think. Right. So it's not expensive. Mm. Um, so if you're thinking that, you know, if you're going eco-friendly and it's really expensive, it's not because the movements grow momentum. The cost of production has obviously decreased and that, that's then passed on to the customer. Um, so you actually are saving money and it also means that you only need to buy what you want that week. So if you are budgeting, um, you don't need to buy something that's going to last in your cupboard for, you know, in the next six months because you only use it once every blue moon. Yes. You can just get the what quantity you want. So it's actually probably more beneficial to the consumer. Oh, anything that gets us away for those three for one or three for two that people, you know, you think you're getting the bargain. But as you say, at the end of the day, especially with foods, perishables, some of them run out of date and then lots of stuff are stowed away and never used. The other thing is this. Do you know the way how you know the way people are brand aware today? What, what, what about the shampoos and the soaps and conditioners, etc. and what's used in the washing machines? Are these brands or, or what? They are. We have a number of brands that would be um, that you could get in the recycled plastics. They, they sell them on the shelves already. Um, and they are. there's a, a bunch of companies that have gone, we will do refills for what they sell. Um, so it's the same. It's, it's, it is big brands. It's not, there's not, like there's for the shampoo, for the shampoo conditioners, it'll be Faith in Nature, um, which is um, an, a, an environmentally friendly brand as well, BioD. Um, you've got Lilies, which is an Irish brand that do all the laundry and the household goods, as well as Ecoleaf. So they're all brands um, um, on in the health shop anyway, um, but they have just then taken the next step to implement refills yeah. that we can facilitate in the shop. Well, that's really good to hear because obviously the manufacturers are taking cognizance of this as well. In terms of an age profile in your customer base, is it younger people that are taking more to this, middle of the range, more senior what, or is it a mix? Mix. It's mainly, I suppose, middle. So you're probably talking 30s to probably 50s. Um, is probably the main age range. Now you have people either side of those, and I suppose the older range, they're actually reminiscing of that's how they used to do the shopping anyway with the basket. And yeah. You just you, you didn't have anything when you were going to the fruit and veg stall. It was put straight into the basket and stuff like that. So um, I suppose we could learn quite a bit from them as well. And that we, I think, we're slowly turning back the clock um, and, and going back to how it used to be. Yeah, that just was on my mind there because I can remember those days and uh, I used to go to the shop for my mum and you'd, you'd go down and there wasn't a load of plastic to be thrown away or packaging afterwards. You know, you got it, it was measured out, it was weighed, etc. So you're, you're returning to that in a way. That's great to hear. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's, 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 I think everybody needs to do the bit. I'm not here to say that, you know, you need to change everything overnight. As I said, I, I still believe this to be a process and we're here to help people with that process so that when they make changes, they can stick to it. And then if they want to further go down the zero waste, then we can encourage that as well. Um, But I think it has to be a process so that you, as I said, you do stick to it. Health, of course, is uh, what you trade upon. Are people happier, do you believe, when they have less waste to deal with? Oh, they do. They do. As well, 
So I'm from England, so I suppose we've got our bin charges in the UK would be very different. It's incorporated. It's a hidden um, charge that we don't see on a, on a basis over here. Whereas here you're doing the bin charges. So if you have or you reduce your packaging, it actually affects your pocket as well because you don't have any waste bins to fill. And the people are a lot happier with that. I know for us, we have one small bin for our waste for the health shop and two homes um and that is still not full when it comes to be collected every two weeks we generate very very minimal waste um in the cafe and the health shop um due to our recycling um our compostables and we use our you know oil from the fryer in the cafe and that is then for home heating so there is different ways you can, if you look into it, um, do it in your own home. And a lot of garden centers would love coffee um, grounds at the end because that's really good compost. So there's a lot of ways you can reuse your waste without it going in the bin. Absolutely. I love what you're doing and I just wanted to highlight it on LMFM Radio this afternoon and I encourage people to give you a shout if they're in Trim. Trim and Healthy Food Store and Cafe doing a wonderful job. Thank you for joining me, Charlotte. No problem at all. Thank you so much. Not Thank at you. all. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. That's Charlotte Pye there. And I really do love what they're at there and it is Back to the Future and they're doing their bit and we all should try to do our bit that's the message and it starts of course everything with the power of one anyway that's it on late lunch for this uh, Tuesday afternoon thank you so much for joining us on the show I want to say a big thank you to Helena Tuberty who joined me earlier on and and again such admiration I have for the people uh, I joined at the Mead Youth Garner Awards and uh, to Nikki Kyle of course always for the uh, tunnel detector table feature I love it every single month. Thanks to Eamon Doyle for guiding me safely through the, the uh, day today. Have a lovely evening. Join us again tomorrow for late lunch from half one. Eddie's next and we leave you in the company of UB40. I could do it a glass but I might have to stay off it for a little while longer. It's red, red wine.
Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Renault Runway Event is now on at Blackstone Motors Drada Dundalk and Cavan. Save thousands across the range for the new year. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.